Welcome back to Reaching Out, a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. I'm your host, Michael. This week, I'm recording this intro from New York City. I'm here visiting and kind of kicking off a few weeks of travel I've got coming up. I've never been a New York person. I've never like had that desire that a lot of people have to like live in the city. I've never had that. But after being here for like a week, I'm like, oh, do I need to do it? Like, I know it's like so basic of me to just be here for a week and like look around and be like, "Mm -hmm, I could live here. But honestly, I'm telling you, I have some legitimate reasons. I have been saying to myself mostly and to (laughs) anybody who will listen that one thing that I've missed since leaving SF is like having queer community and just being surrounded by queer life. And I could go weeks in San Francisco without like seeing a single straight person. And I feel like that could happen here too. Like, obviously this is like a little bit of hyperbole, but I'm walking around. I'm just like, everybody's gay. Holy shit. And it's so nice. I've missed, (laughs) I didn't realize how much I missed it till I got here. Anyways, it's just been really nice to like be around gay community again like this and just to have it feel like all encompassing. I've just really missed that. So Uh, yeah, she's thinking what her next move is and if New York should be a part of that. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm, I I actually don't think I am. Also something new this week. I want to make the intros a little bit more exciting and silly and fun for me. So I'm going to introduce my gay faves of the week. Basically a top three of anything fun that's been queer or gay that I've come across, experienced, et cetera, that I want to share with you guys. This week, coming in at number one, Barry's Bootcamp. Oh, I have missed you so much. I haven't had access to a Barry's in a very long time. And to have one just a few minutes away from where I'm staying while I'm in New York, it's going to be amazing. And there's also going to be Barry's where I'm traveling next in Paris and London. So I'm very excited to have a few weeks full of Barry's coming up. Number two, gay bars. Oh my goodness. I have missed having like divey, small cash only, super heavy pour gay bars around like this. I've been to a couple so far in uh, West Village. I had a drink at the Stonewall Inn. I went to Julius's, which was really cute. I really liked that one. Been to a place called Playhouse. I even went to the Eagle. For people who live in neighborhoods or around them right now, might take it for granted. But like after having that, leaving, not having that, and then coming back to it, it's a really, really good feeling. And I'm going to even include in this one in gay bars, I, even a gay shirts off dance party, which <laughs> is something that I typically have avoided in the past. But this weekend, some friends of mine who I made in SF invited me to one in Brooklyn. And it was actually so fun. That type of environment typically like is not my comfort zone. I've been to one circuit party in my entire life. And my friend Rick like made us leave because he's, could see the physical discomfort on my face. I still say that I was fine and I did not need to leave and I was having a good time, but he refuses to agree to that. So just to give you some context, but this week I went to one, shirts were off, it was sweaty, it was crowded, but it was actually so fun. Went with some friends, made some new ones, and yeah, just had a cute flirty little moment. And last but not least, a movie that I watched on the plane ride over here to New York, spoiler alert, That's what it's called. It's called Spoiler Alert. Planes already are going to make you prone to crying, but this movie would make me cry, I think, no matter when or where I watched it. It was one of the cutest, 
like most heartwarming movies I've ever seen. It stars Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory and probably my biggest celebrity crush in the entire world. I've realized Ben Aldridge. And it also has Sally Field as Ben's mom. And I even took notes during it because I was like, oh my God. So first thing is there is this moment where Jim Parsons character, Michael goes, oh my God, he's, wow, there's a lot of, I'm just realizing there's a lot of uh, parallels here. His name is Michael and he is about to hook up with Ben Aldridge for the first time. And he goes in the bathroom and he's like, he had to excuse himself. He like went and had this like solo moment where he had to like look at himself in the mirror and be like, enjoy yourself. He's like calming himself down. He's like, I, f- I felt that deeply. Also, Jim Parsons, part of his like anxiety around this turns out because he was a former fat kid and he used <laughs> he even had it as an acronym, an FFK. And as a former Old Navy Husky jeans wearing child, that resonated like a little too close to home. Also, it deals with Ben Aldridge's character, who I think is like in his like, in his 40s coming out to his parents his mom again being sally field who was fantastic and like a little bit of anxiety inducing but she did it in a really amazing way and anyway all right i'm just gonna stop talking about it but you need to go check it out it's on peacock if you have that or just you know rent it and yeah those are my my gay faves let me know if you found this enjoyable uh, i'll try to keep it up maybe it'll be a one and done who's to say and without further ado we're gonna dive into our episode today And today's guest is Kane C. Andrade. On this episode, Kane tells us about his experience being a photographer and videographer, including some really awesome work he did with Out Magazine this year for their Pride issue. He also tells us about what life in the military was like, and he served in the military during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And so he tells us about what that was like for him and how that impacted his journey. He also tells us about the ups and downs of having to come out to family twice, first as a lesbian and then as a trans man about 10 years later. This episode is super powerful. Kane really does a tremendous job of like conveying the feelings that he was feeling while he was living his life as a lesbian, knowing that there was something else, but not being able to actually like have the time or space to dive into that more or analyze it more and the resulting frustrations and bitterness that he felt towards the world because he just couldn't live as his authentic self yet. This is a really, really inspiring story and I think you're going to really like it. Enjoy. Hey there, before we continue with this week's story, I just wanted to pop in and remind you that you too can be a part of reaching out. If you're interested in sharing your story on the podcast, head on over to at reaching out pod on Instagram and fill out the Google form in the link in bio. While you're there, feel free to give us a quick follow if you'd like. Oh yeah. And while I've got you here, if you find yourself enjoying this episode or just want to make my day, by all means, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. It'll give the podcast a better chance of being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you're about to hear. All right. Now back to this week's story. Enjoy BB. Kane, thank you so much for being on Reaching Out today. I'm super excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I just got back from like months of traveling and I'm finally home and I'm excited. I was, I've been looking forward to this for, I think it's been two months we've been trying to get it happen. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Where have you been traveling to? Well, I just finished the Folks Health shoot, video shoot in Temecula. So I was in Southern California for... I would say like four weeks with different projects, but I was down there and it was like 
over 110 degrees, I would say, every day. So I'm glad to be back in the windy, cold, the bay. fog city. <laughs> yeah, yes. I used to live in San Francisco, so I love that you're from there. And to give the audience some context, I came across your profile on Instagram and I think it's actually a future guest of this podcast, I think, that I saw originally. And maybe that's actually how it got served to me because Vera Hanoush is going to be a guest on, on Reaching Out in a, in a few weeks. We're going to talk and I'm really excited. And so I think maybe they posted a photo of yours that you took and maybe that's how I got to your profile. And so I, I reached out as well because your photography was amazing and I, you just seemed like an overall... like super fun person to talk to. So yeah, we've been having, this has been on the books for a couple of weeks. Super excited to have you here. Yeah. And could you, would you mind giving a little introduction to the listeners about yourself? Yes. My name is Kane C. Andrade and my pronouns are he, him. I am a trans man and a full-time freelance photographer and videographer. I create content for companies like Adobe and Toyota and like one that you just saw, we did an Apple shoot with trans, trans men to give them more representation. So yeah, that's what I do. I love it. And I can't imagine doing anything else. Before doing that, I was a videographer for Gavin Newsom. And before that, I was in the military and then I was in school. So. Before we dive into your story, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your photography and how you got to where you are and especially as like a freelance photographer, like I was mentioning before, I'm also a photographer, but much, I mean, I started very recently, um, like taking it more serious recently. And right now it's more in hobby mode for me. I work a full-time tech job, SF-based tech job right now, despite not living in SF anymore, sadly. And I've had a couple photographers on the podcast and I think I like, I'm just drawn to finding photographers too. Like if I find a queer photographer, I'm like, I need to have them on the podcast. <laughs> and so some of our recent episodes have been some photographers and I'm always so interested to hear their journeys because I just find it it's super, super fascinating. So how did you get into photography? And then I would love to hear about... It sounds like you've been in videography for a while. What made you finally take the step to go freelance and how is that going? I mean, it seems like it's going great because of all the stuff you just mentioned, but I would love to hear from you what that journey has been like. Yeah, I think... So there was like one person... I don't want to say one person. We don't want to give them too much credit. There was like three people on Instagram who were like full-time creators and they weren't queer at all. Like, they weren't, they were just like these white guys. And they honestly, they inspired me to just start photography. Like I saw their beautiful travel photos and I was like, I really want to do that, but I'm not a photographer. And I realized that like photography I, I picked it up and I feel like it kind of clicked I didn't like really struggle too much to like kind of get the edit that I wanted and get that like dreamy look that I have now because I had been into photography when I was younger so I feel like I had trained my eye like this entire I had like the little uh, disposable cameras like when I was young my dad would just give me them and I didn't it was really mindless I didn't really think about it it was just like one of those things that I would just I never wanted to be a photographer but I just had it and so I had it throughout like my entire elementary middle school and high school years and I think that like really trained my eye to like now so we really kicked off like me seeing those guys on Instagram inspired me to just pick up the camera again because in, in the Marines I, I really didn't I was not like into art at all. 
But uh, yeah, they inspired me and I picked up the camera. And, and then after that, I just started posting every day. Like I knew that I had to post every day. And that was the only way that I could really kind of like get it to happen. And now here I am doing it full time. So. That's really interesting to hear. And especially, I'm really curious to hear about the posting every day. Because I go through, personally, I go through waves of where I will post a lot. And then I'll go right now, like I, I've been posting, so I've been getting into film a little bit recently. And so I've been posting some film because it's been exciting. But sometimes I go through waves of being able to do it. And then sometimes I don't. What did you find that you got out of posting every day? Like, how, did that, did it inspire you to create more, to iterate more, to try new things, just to take photos more often too? Yeah. At the time, I think it was like 2017, at that time, when I was posting every day, I don't do it anymore because that's not really something that I'm focused on. But yes, at the time, I knew that if I didn't do it, then I wouldn't like stick to it. So I like made myself post every day and it forced me to get outside and shoot and find new things to just train my eye. I knew that if I shot, then I came back to my camera and learned how to edit. That, that was the only way that I was really going to like, dedicate. I was going to do it or I wasn't going to do it. Like, I'm not going to have half it, you know? Yeah. You kind of mentioned, touched on like your, like the aesthetic, like the dreamy look that you have in your photos. What would you say your style is? I feel like colorful, but not overly saturated, but also really dreamy. Okay. <laughs> How do you like, how do you get the dreamy effect? What is that is that an equipment piece or is that like equipment lighting or is it more in the in post? I'm curious. I'm just, I'm just like curious to ask how <laughs> I think it's the editing. It's really like the editing and I have a 35 millimeter lens to get right in there. But uh, yeah, it's the editing. I feel like I've, I've taken a lot of YouTube classes and yeah. have made that happen. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. That's how I mean. That's YouTube is how I learned every anything. It's YouTube is a great, incredible. Who are some of your favorite photographers right now? David, I don't want to mess up his last name, Urbanki, but I saw his picture on Out Magazine, and he's also a really beautiful editorial photographer, and he's based in New York. And I saw his work, and I was like, I need. I need to do I need to do exactly what you're doing because it's like so beautiful it's like really also really colorful but not so colorful where it hurts your eyes and the skin tones this year and or really like the end of last year I really try to push myself to take pictures of people who are like brown and not just like white folks because like I feel like I want to master the skin editing tones like Mm -hmm. because it is really difficult and I feel like I'm not there, but I definitely, I just want to keep capturing my community and mastering the editing technique. So yeah, yeah he inspired me to do that because he takes all sorts of beautiful photos. I love that. I love when you find somebody whose work like that speaks to you and then you try to figure out how to replicate it or emulate it in a way. And then you are able to add your own spin to it. I think that's exactly. really fun. My favorite photographer in the past couple of years has been, he's a film photographer who used to be based in SF. Now he's down in LA. His name is Brian Chorsky. And he like, Oh yeah. I, you know I, I met him a couple of times. Yeah. He, oh, nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. He yeah. like for some, re- like he, not for some reason, he's just a really 
talented photographer, but he can, what I appreciate about him so much is the way I describe his work, the way I think of it is he just captures the vibe of something and he'll put Mm -hmm. like a carousel of like four to five photos and you just are taken to whatever place it is and you feel like you're there and you can like, it's just, I think it's really fantastic. And I think he's incredible. And he got me into getting more interested in yeah. film because before that, before I just had done digital in the past and I still most mm-hmm. pre- mostly predominantly do, but I just, I love the look and feel of all of his photos. Yeah. It's like colorful, but not too colorful. Like masters, yeah. the blues and, yes. and the oranges and that cinematic, but not too cinematic. It's mm-hmm. just personal. It like, is perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it literally is just, I'm taken to wherever he is. Like every time yeah. he posts photos, it's incredible. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that background. And I could probably do a whole episode just talking about photography, with you, <laughs> to be honest. But I would love to learn a little bit more about that experience with Out Magazine and Apple because that I think that was around probably a little bit before Pride because that was for Out Magazine's Pride issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I would love to hear more. Ah, yeah, there's Kate. Yes. I love it. I love it. There she is. Yeah, so I'd love to learn more about that. And also, I want to know, how did you take such nice photos on an iPhone? I swear, I have the same phone and mine do not do that. (laughs) I think it was the first I shot in RAW. And then I had uh, good lighting. (laughs) I have like my main master light and, and then I have like the whole light and all that came into play with those photos for sure. If I didn't have the light, it will, the lights it would have probably. Yeah, that is true. That is like the key. I've told photography is your lighting situation. I typically am doing like street stuff, so you can choose the right time of day, but you're also like at the mercy of nature. You don't really have much control over <laughs> over yeah. lighting. Well, that's awesome. What was that experience like for you? I was really nervous because I knew that I wanted to. Well, I was just nervous of like, you know, the response because we don't really have a lot of trans men represented in our community. And it was just something like that was kind of not like a trend or something. But I was scared. I was nervous. They were excited when I pitched them the idea. They wanted to do something with pride, but they didn't want to like tell me what to do. So, I, but as soon as I pitched it to them, they were like, yeah, this is amazing. Do it. And I also didn't know it was actually going to go in Out Magazine. I only knew like right before. So I was also really nervous to like, what if they don't like it? I, I was waiting for like four months, just trying, just waiting to get that email be like, all right, it's on the magazine. Oh, so, wow. Um, but then it was like literally the table of contents. Yeah. It was on a table of contents. And that was like really cool because I didn't expect that to like, oh have it be gosh, like, like one of the main pages and it's also like in the middle of the magazine and it's like the thickest part so oh like you God. can you can fold it out and i was like not expecting that at all oh like, my i just expect it to be like in the back in the corner in a little section so i was really having imposter syndrome i was like no it's not gonna happen you just they're not gonna like it yeah. but they loved it <laughs> that's amazing yeah the, uh, clearly they loved it if you're in the middle in the table of contents it's awesome yeah so you had to wait, you did the shoot and then four months later you had to wait to hear? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, they were like, all right, we'll let you know. I was like, oh no, this is like a really long interview. That <laughs> is, like, that's a long time to wait. I give you a lot of credit. I would have been, I would have been pretty nervous that whole time. 
I feel you so deeply on the imposter syndrome. I in March, I my friends asked me to shoot some events at not the wedding itself, but some events at their wedding. And I am not used to shooting with any sort of stakes on the line. Some of wedding events like that made me extremely nervous, especially because one of the events was at night, and I'm not—I don't usually shoot at night. And I like got a flash. I had to like teach myself how to use a flash. And it was, man, just it was a nervous wreck for the almost the whole weekend because of it. But it ended up being a really good learning experience, and I think it turned out pretty well. So, Kane, I would love to kind of pivot into talking a little bit more about your journey, your story. And typically the first step we do on this podcast is we talk about our rainbow. We share some rainbow flags. And any new year listeners, a rainbow flag is a term that I came up for myself when I came out at 28 to kind of look back when before I came out. And were the signs there that maybe I was queer before I came out to myself? And of course, my past was littered with rainbow flags all throughout. And so I would love to hear if there are any that come to mind for you, Kane. Honestly, I feel like I was like I've been gay since I can remember. I've never dated a man. Like I never had an interest in men as a little girl. Like I I just I always knew I wanted to be one of the boys. Like the way that I dressed. Um, I was I don't know how my dad didn't see it. <laughs> my dad was in full denial, but my mom like my stepmom, she totally knew. I came out when I was 17, but like I was gay from like really, really, really young. Yeah. And I can't remember my earliest memories of like before elementary school, but I remember like having like a crush on this girl and like I would do like what the boys would do and kind of like make fun of them and like be all like, no, I don't like new, you know, kind of like I would have that energy that little boy toxic energy, which was awful. (laughs) But that's kind of like, I grew up with my dad. So that's that awful energy that I had when I was young. So I always felt like a little boy. Yeah. I don't remember like specific sounds, but all of the sounds were like everything that I did, every, my mannerisms, the way that I dress, I would always wear hats and uh, flannels and pants and I would have cars and play cars and I would watch wrestling. I don't even know why I watch wrestling. I would just be like, yeah, I don't even know. Like I just did boy things. That's just the way my brain was wired. I hated dresses. Oh my God. I do remember that. Like when my dad tried to make me well dress, that was like the end of the world. But for me, I was fixated on, because I knew my dad, there was like a quinceanera. And I knew my dad was going to tell me to wear a dress. And I was dreading that day for like months. And I knew that I did not want to wear a dress. I felt like I want, I just felt awful about me. I felt like dire, like I could not wear this dress. Like my heart like was just so hurt, you know? Yeah. So I do remember a lot of the, moments where my dad tried to make me feel like a girl but i don't remember a lot of oh this is ah, i'm gay because i always felt like very very gay growing up did you you said you said you've always felt it did you acknowledge that did you understand it or did it take a while for you to kind of understand what was going on and that that you those were like gay Uh, thoughts you were having i knew that it was bad I didn't know that it was like the word gay or mm-hmm. like trans or anything. I knew that I didn't like boys. 
I knew that I, I just didn't know the word. So I yeah. knew that I didn't like boys. I knew that I liked girls. And I never wanted to like boys. Boys grossed me out. And yeah, I didn't know like terms, words. Of course. But I totally knew. And I feel like people around me were told. It was just so like everything, like the way I walked, the way I talked. I just didn't want to play with dolls. Not that it means anything, but it was just, yeah. I was just so full you know? Yeah. And so yeah. as you continued to grow up, and how did it kind of start manifesting itself as you grew older and maybe did start to know the words or like have the vocabulary to speak to it? Mm-hmm. How was that journey like for you? So as I got older, like uh, 21, so I'm 30 now, but around 21, I knew that there was like trans people. But to me, that idea felt so far away. Like I just could never, I could never be that because I don't have the money. I don't like access it just felt so far from me and i was like there's just no way i guess i'm just gonna be a lesbian and a guy forever so like the idea of transitioning and like all that it just felt impossible for me and also the idea of coming out to my dad was like i coming out once was already difficult and like that was he didn't talk to me it was just really hard and i didn't want to go through that again so i was like nope i'm just gonna suppress it i'm gonna die like this i'm gonna be a lesbian forever and i just couldn't anymore like i've spent 17 years of my life hiding that i was a lesbian and then another what 10 years hiding that i was trans like i just couldn't i came out last year yeah two years ago like a year and a half ago. I can't remember anymore because it's yeah. all like just I'm just hiding. I've been hiding like for 30 years of my life. I just couldn't. Like at some point you just feel yeah, I don't know if you thought this, but you just feel like, oh, like Jesus, this is me. Good Lord. Like I just can't pretend that I'm this girl when I'm not, you know. So that's how I felt when I was okay, a year and a half ago. I was like, I'm just gonna do it. I, I, I feel like a boy and let's see where this goes and i had military insurance so i was like okay now i can talk to someone let's i don't know how to do this but let me talk to one person to see where this can go yeah well first that thank you for sharing that and i like that feeling you described of you couldn't even get there mentally like that can't be me or like i can't do that like that and like the fact that you're like i'm just gonna die this way i feel that very deeply i remember like when i was 27 i like really came to terms with the fact that I was never going to have a wife. I still didn't think I, I didn't think I was gay, but I knew I was like, I've tried this too many times. Like this is not going to work. If it hasn't worked yet, it's not working. <laughs> it's not going to work in the future. And so I truly was like, I got to the point where I was like, I'm okay by myself. I'll just, this will be my life. I'll just be like the fun, crazy uncle who comes by every, <laughs> every year and doesn't have a family of his own and just has like three dogs. And <laughs> I was like totally down with that. And I still could be down with that. But now that I finally was able to get over the hump of coming out, like I obviously am open to a lot more (laughs) possibilities than just that. When you said that, I was like, I remember having a very similar thought process. And I would love, I'd be so interested to hear more. First off, congratulations on either two years or almost two years. That's incredible. Yeah. And I would love to hear a little bit more. You mentioned when we were talking, when we exchanged some messages about you being on the show or on the podcast, you mentioned like your journey from being a lesbian to coming out as trans and the fact that you are a veteran. I'd be 
I, I'd be really interested to learn a little bit more about what your experience in the Marines, it was in the Marines, right? And mm-hmm. what your experience was like and how that maybe shaped your journey as well. Yeah, so I joined the military in 2011 and got out in 2016. And at the time, it was uh, one last hotel. And that was a law about um, if you had come out, you would get kicked out and lose all your benefits, or you would probably go to the big or jail. And so I knew that going in. And I, at the time, I had already come out. But like I said, I was like, I've been hiding this secret. What, like, the Marines are, I could hold it in, you know, I, I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a big bad Marine. I can do it. So I hit it. And honestly, it wasn't really, holding it in really wasn't like a struggle. I've been doing it for so long. I just, I really did just keep it to myself. I did have a friend that I was able to like tell, which was really nice, like my, my bunk mate. And she was like, yeah, I'm, that's totally cool. I'm fine with that. I won't judge you. And so that kind of helped my heart a little bit. But like I said, I was a very obvious, like lesbian, like we just... <laughs> You just get that. I'm sorry. Like you, I was just, like I said, the way that I walk, everything, the way that I talk. And I had this gunnery sergeant who just knew. And he absolutely hated me. He did everything in his power to make sure that the military was just hell for me. He would change my scores. He would, even I was having surgery because I got injured in my he, when I was like on the hospital bed, he would call the doctor and be like, Andrade has to come to formation. And I'm like literally in the military hospital. They're like, no, like how? Kane just got out of surgery. How? He just did everything possible to make it. So I just hated the military. It was a nightmare. And that one person, <laughs> he had all the power. I had to listen to him or else I would go to jail or get kicked out. He was like 10 ranks above me. So the military was awful. It was like, I was okay with not telling anyone. That wasn't the hard part. But because this man like just had it out for me and like knew. Also, the military is very racist. I don't know how it is now, but at the time, he was very, very racist. So he, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He just, he really, he, he did what he needed to do. What he needed to do. And that was my life. Like, oh, so yeah. he completed that task. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Is that, was that like a, like a, I guess a common experience for people who were queer in the military from what you saw? No, it was like, a toss because yeah. it really comes down to the person, your chain of command, your team, your like it's like being at work with your coworkers and it's like your manager that's like has it out for you, or you might have like an amazing manager. It just really because the person next to me has like they could have a great sergeant or someone who's also queer. Like it just really depends. And I just got the bad end of the stick. Yeah. And I was with him till I got out. It was the whole years, time. But yeah, it was like four four years. It was really? I had a yeah, it was and I couldn't change. I just couldn't change the team. I just wasn't yeah. It was very unfortunate. Yeah. Oh man, no. four years. That's a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. It is he made me bitter. He made me bitter. Like throughout my like 
when I got out, I was very bitter and I was like upset and unhappy. And like, I was already bitter because I was a lesbian. Like I had to like, and then like, then he just, in the Marines, like, it's just difficult. Not yeah. an easy life to live. Um, so, yeah. Well, I can't imagine it's an easy life to live just by itself. And then to add on this ex- this treatment that you're getting, like yeah. makes a tough situation yeah. even more impossible. I would imagine. Yeah, he was very religious. So like um, he would invite me to church and I feel like I was like, I would say yes, because I wanted him to like accept me. You know, it kind of felt like my dad, like I was like living with my dad and like I would do anything. Like I would just try to make this man so happy, but it just didn't matter what I did. He just absolutely hated like who I was. Got it. How many other people Um, were under him? How big was this group? Uh, There was like 12 of us, but he was the person in charge. So it's a pretty small group. Yeah. Yeah. It was a small group. I mean, overall there's probably like hundreds of people like in the entire battalion, but in our little building and our little tiny team sector, it was just about. got it yeah so during this experience you obviously had you were su- suppressing or not communicating with anybody or being out as a lesbian at the time were you even considering your gender identity no not at all like i just there, that wasn't even like a thought uh, i just couldn't i know some folks who transitioned within the military like like i said if i had a great gunnery sergeant then I probably, he probably would have had given me an advisor and I probably would have got surgery and hormones and people do transition within the military. That's an option, but there is no way this guy was going to send me to like a trans doctor, like a psychologist or something. But he was just going to do everything in his power to not make that happen. So being trans was not even, that was in my mind, like I said, I was going to die. Like that yeah. was my thought all the time. So when you were, once you were out of the military, what happened in terms of your journey after that? At the time I was married and we had been together for 10 years at that time. So, and I feel like when I was with her, I was like, this is my life. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> this is it. Like, I'm not going to think about really like me or anything like much deeper than that. I'm just going to let this go. But I think um, when we, yeah, when we decided to get a divorce, I really sat down with myself and was like, this is not who I am. Like I've been living this life and I've been so unhappy and I've been so bitter and it just wasn't like the nicest person. Like I was just so upset at the world because I just couldn't live as a man. I hated when people were like, Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Or like ladies. Oh my God. I would lose my mind when someone would would call me like my, my given name. I would just lose it. I would, it just, it's hard to explain, but it just hurts my soul every single time. And so after I got a divorce, I really like sat down and had the support of my ex-wife, which was like great, you know, so I feel like after that, I just started my, I started, that's when I started my transition. I started, I think it took two years because I had to go see like a doctor and then it's like military stuff. So that takes like longer. Yeah. I had to see the doctor for a year and then the insurance. Uh, and then another year, like it just, the process took like way long, yeah. but I'm here now. 
obviously being out of the military probably freed up a lot of mental capacity to like to reflect. Mm-hmm. And especially after, it sounds like after your divorce, you had that time too, to do mm-hmm. a little bit more internal reflection. Was there mm-hmm. something that happened or a moment or like a conversation that like let you like be like, just be like, okay, this is what I've been feeling this whole time. This is what mm-hmm. it is. I feel like I felt that a while, like years back. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, I, yeah, I think 24, 23, like I was like, I definitely have to be trans, but I'm just going to like let it go. Like when I got a divorce, I feel like that was a great moment for me to like, kind of sit with myself and be like, this is not the life that I want to live. So it was really nice. I feel like my entire life shifted like completely. Like it feels so nice to be able to have like guy friends and play sports. And I feel like this is everything I've been wanting to do and just dress how I want to dress and be perceived as a man and like just be a man, which is like exactly what I've been wanting. And like I said, the littlest tiny things like ma'am, stuff like that. I would just lose my mind. And so now that like I'm able to write my truth, I'm able to just live my dream as well. Like I feel like it all like came together. I'm able to live my life. Now I'm able to live my dream. Everything just feels lighter. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. That feeling of levity you have once you are actually you're first like honest with yourself and then you're able to be honest with others and live that life. There is definitely like a lightness to it where I'm curious to see if you feel this way, but looking back, I'm like, it's a little alarming how good you can get at shutting things off and not just letting it, stifling it or not addressing it. And once you're out of that or past it and you can look back, uh, it's just like such a good feeling to know that you made it and that you are now able to actually live as your most authentic self. So I... Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I feel like I I was really not me at all. I was, yeah, like yeah. I said, I was a, a very bitter person. Like, I mean, getting out of the military, I was already trained to be this like, yeah. you know, other person. It's just, I just felt like so many people in my brain and I just wasn't allowing myself to just be free. Mm-hmm. And like, just being able to finally just sit down with myself, it just opened up so much. Like my love of art, my love of community my love now i just feel like i'm just filled with love yeah you know and that's like uh, yeah well you can see it through yeah you can see it through your art through your photography like i think that's really yeah. cool how that can manifest in that way too i think that's really cool because it's as a reflection of like where you are as a person mm-hmm. how that's translated into some of your work i, I think that's really incredible i'm yeah. curious like so you more or less had two comings out it sounds like mm-hmm looking back on them, what were some of like the unique challenges to each of them? Especially it was, seems like it was what, almost 10 years apart too, right? Mm-hmm. Close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, the biggest challenge, and I feel like it's still, it was still my, my latest challenge with, with coming out as Karen was really my dad. Mm-hmm. Like, and I put out on TikTok, you can see like I was having a conversation like when I came out to him as trans and his response, but my dad was on my biggest like he was he didn't accept me like he was like my biggest pain you know like with everyone else my cousins all them they always made fun of me i was like you know what i don't want to care like i just i grew up very like hard-headed like my dad is like one of those guys who's like big and has tattoos and he was like 
where I dropped out of Hollywood High School back in the day. And he's just like this scary guy. So like I grew up with this just like, and his voice is so deep. He's just like, so like, I don't even want to look at him in the eye. I grew up being very scared of my dad. And so, and he's also like very machismo, like he's very Latin man. So I, when I came out to my dad, I was like so scared of his reaction. And, and he gave me the reaction I expected, which was he ended up like kicking me out and he didn't talk to me for a really long time. And, and so I was like, I don't know. I just didn't, this is it. I'm, I guess I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And I, several years later, he came to senses and was like, no, I, I really, I accept you. I'm going to talk to you. And I think it had to do a lot with his like, current wife that he's with. I think she helped him navigate that. I don't think he would have been able to do it alone, to be honest. She really kind of like guided him in the right direction. And she like talked to him about, I'm one of his, I think his four children. <laughs> I'm like the only one between him and my mom, but like, I was the only one to graduate high school. I was the only one to go to college. I was the only one to go to the military. So his wife was just kind of like, you know, you have a good kid here. This isn't someone that like, they're not out like being crazy. They're just like living their life. And like, that's it. And so my dad finally you know, came to the senses and accepted me after like, I think like four or five years. And then I was really scared to tell him that I was trans when I like, you know, like 10, 10 years later. But I knew that our relationship would be stronger after that. We've always been really distant. And so after I came out to him as trans, and you can see his response on TikTok, he was happy, over the moon. He's like, I have a son. Yay, I'm so happy for you. I love you. He's like, you're my son. Like, this is it. Like, I love you. And I wouldn't want you any other way. Four sons, three sons. <laughs> he has nine kids total and I don't know where they're at. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, he's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's incredible that yeah. I'm wait, I need to go as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna go look for this TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might cry. But yeah, he's he loves me like now and I I love him more. Like our, I was very scared. But I knew that he would probably not talk to me for a couple of years and then come back. You know, like, yeah. how did you not love me? I'm cool. Like, <laughs> I'm a cool kid. <laughs> like, but no, like on the phone, it's just like, I love you. You're my son. And like, that's oh. it. Oh, I love yeah. that. I know. I'm, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. I'm super excited to see this yeah. on your TikTok, by the way. <laughs> I can't yeah. Wait. No, <laughs> I'm just happy. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm like, happy though. Obviously, this is not the case for everybody, but I love hearing the stories of like when you come out to family members. I think family members specifically hit home the most sometimes, and the relationship actually gets better, especially when you go into it thinking it's going to make it a lot worse. And obviously, there's a lot of instances where sometimes that does happen, but hearing stories like this, like at least with the second one, it's really nice. And hopefully, for, for listeners of this podcast, who haven't maybe come out to their family yet and won't do it or haven't done it because they are afraid of the reaction. Obviously, every situation can be different, but I hope that this story is like a sign or just shows that it can be positive and it can actually, in your head, you can get so in your head about how people are going to react. And I say no in air quotes. You get so sure of it and then you actually do it and it's different than what you'd expect. So just something to keep in mind. 
I do want to say though, like I, my dad was, was a crazy man, and my dad did do it because when I was seventeen, I had already like I signed up the Marines. Like at that point, I was like, I'm about to be a Marine, so I had that like safety. Yeah. So I feel like it is, and before that, I probably wouldn't have been sold. So like, it really does depend because they are definitely don't come out if you're not in a safe place. Yeah. But I definitely, I came out when I knew that I was going to get on that bus to South Carolina. So yep. Yeah. So there is, yeah. yeah, you had that space and if you needed it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I did it when I was 28. So at that point I was not reliant because I, I was also pretty, I, the person I was most nervous to tell was my dad for sure. And I, at that point I had... I had been not, you know, not relying on my parents long enough to where I was like, worst case scenario, something disowns me. There isn't really much he can actually do to me that would change my day-to-day life, which was obviously was reassuring. And if I was 17 and in high school living in their house, like that would be a different story for sure. So yeah, that's a good point. I know we're coming up close on time here. I just would love to hear quickly before we go what how the last two years have been for you yeah i love it i i think the first year was kind of rough my voice is going to like a little thing and you know i had like hairs going it was just like kind of like a weird i don't know i didn't know how to you know it's like my first time so i don't know i don't know what's going on but i feel like it was hard i feel like my brain thoughts were everywhere i'm like am i doing the right thing is this, am I going to get judged? Do I look funny? I don't know. It's just like, it was hard. But I knew, I was like, okay, okay. Like, you know, it's just part of that. It's just that transition thing. It's always awkward. It's like getting a haircut. It's probably more. <laughs> it's probably more than getting a haircut and being in the awkward stage. But yeah, no, it's just, it was a little weird first year. But after the second year, I really started feeling lighter about things and i really started loving my voice there was like a moment within the 10 month mark where i would get up out of bed and i would say something and i would not recognize my voice and i'd be like whoa who's, what was that that's weird and then i would also not recognize myself and that was really tricky because i'm like oh i've been i've been looking for 30 years, I've been looking one way and now I look at myself and I look weird or just I look different and I'm not used to it. Every time I would look at myself in the mirror, I would just I would be like a little sad because I just didn't recognize myself. Nothing clicked. I was like, this is somebody else. Yeah. But now we're like here today and I feel really like it's always a journey, but I feel much better than I did the first year. And I feel like it translates into my work. It translates to what I'm doing. And it also translates within my community. And I've been able to... Now I have so many trans friends. I just went on a student paintball with a bunch of trans guys like here in the Bay, which is so cool. Like I'm very happy like with the community and I'm happy with like meeting all these like beautiful people and I'm learning. They're all, uh, a lot of them, a lot of the trans guys that I know have, have more experience. So I'm like able to kind of ask them questions too. I feel like that's really important to just, if I'm curious about something or 
like anything, I'm able to just go to them for like mentorship. And it's really, it's so nice. It's so like my heart feels at peace. Finally. Oh my gosh. Stop. I love yeah. that. That makes me feel <laughs> so good. I love to hear that. And I love that. Like to hear your journey now hearing it, you know, not, I don't want to say start to finish because obviously we just have been talking for like, you know, not that long, but I love to hear that that is where you're at right now after all the stuff that you've gone through. And I love that you're finding your community. I think that's awesome. A lot of what you said is resonating with me specifically just now when you mentioned about having people who are a little bit further along than you to Mm -hmm. have as like mentorship that completely resonates with me because when I came to San Francisco, I didn't have many gay friends and I moving to San Francisco. I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't know how gay, how to be gay. I didn't know how to live openly gay. Like I didn't know how to be gay at work. Like I didn't know anything and meeting, making friends who had been out. Like, I mean, seemingly everyone was out longer than me. So like, it wasn't hard to find, <laughs> to find people more experienced, but having people there to like, just kind of show you the ropes and ask really stupid questions too. And it was truly invaluable. And I feel like it sped up my, process of like self-love and self-appreciation and like just loving being queer it, it sped that up so much more to have that so i that totally resonates with me and i'm really happy that you've you have that that sounds awesome wow well now you have a, like you have me come down to the bay that's true I'll, I'll show you some some cool spots i would love that <laughs> some yeah, gay I, do spots. Come, I would love it i do come back pretty frequently for work like at least like two to three times a year for sure. So I'll be back in December. I know that. Yeah. Well, Kane, I want to be conscious of your time here. I just want to thank you so much for sitting with me for the last hour and chatting. And I, I've been looking forward to this conversation since I reached out to you and I was so happy when you were into it. So it, it has been nothing but a joy to, to chat with you. If your story resonates with the listeners and they want to either check out your photos, reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to, to find you? Yeah, Kane C on Jabble on Instagram. And you can look at my website, which is also Kane C on Jabble. But yeah, those are really the only places. I have a TikTok, Kane's, Kane's, but that's, you know, that's more like deeper level stuff. Got it. Yeah. All right. We'll make sure to link those down below in the show notes so people can find you. And yeah, thank you so much. And hopefully I'll see you next time I'm in the Bay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If today's story resonated with you or you just had a good time listening, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better chance that the show has at being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you heard today. You can also follow along with reaching out on Instagram and TikTok at reachingoutpod. And you can follow me on Instagram at Michael Wings It. Bye-bye. See you.